Hey everyone, and welcome to The Bridge to the Bay with Dr. Varis. I'm Dr. Matt Varis, and this is episode two with Dr. Brian Fang. Brian is one of my new colleagues at Calico, and he's actually a more recent hire than I am. But in our first few meetings, I found that his background was incredibly captivating, and so I asked him if he'd be willing to have a conversation about it. So this is that conversation, and unfortunately, this is still early on in the podcast. So we're going through some technical challenges, and we actually lost the first half of this conversation. So it's a little shorter than we would have hoped, and we perhaps rushed through a couple of things, but we can always revisit later. But I thought it was a really captivating conversation, talking about Brian's journey into industry and where he's been along the way before coming to Calico. We talk about his experience at Novartis, a major pharmaceutical company, and then his transition into the Alphabet family of companies, Google X, which is a moonshot company doing really cool things. And finally, why he chose to come to Calico. So here we discuss the life of a scientist in industry and a little bit about life in the Bay Area. So if that sounds of interest, have fun listening along. If not, hopefully one of the future episodes is of interest. Welcome back, Brian. Uh, we both kind of overlooked it. This is one of the earlier podcasts here. Uh, so we missed a little material in where you were talking about where you grew up, where you did your undergrad and starting grad school. Um, so maybe if you could just run through that quickly, you um, grew up in uh, St. Louis, right? Yeah. Um, maybe just say where you grew up, what school you went to, what lab you went to for a PhD. Um, and then we can sort of get into the fun stuff, which is where you're at now. Yeah, sure. So, so, uh, I, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, and, uh, I, uh, was, was a diligent student in my early training, uh, was exposed to science early through my father who was a scientist at Monsanto for his career, just retired yes. last year. And- uh, Congrats. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's thoroughly enjoying retirement. <laughs> That's good. Now's a good time to be retired. Yeah, he stays inside all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I, 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 when I went to college, I had an inclination that I wanted to do science, but not a real, strong commitment at that point. But the turning point for me was was doing some undergraduate research. I did some undergraduate research at WashU and at, at University of Texas, which is where I was doing my, my degree. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I was excited enough by that that I decided to do a PhD. And um, I, was, uh, I was looking around for PhD programs and uh, I uh, was lucky enough to be admitted to Northwestern University, and I've worked in Brian Scheuchert's lab, mm -hmm. who uh, was uh, one of the early proponents of docking or computationally simulating uh, enzyme inhibitor interactions, mm -hmm. and uh, was very quickly pivoted through the subtle guidance of Brian to move into a, a wet lab project where I was studying uh, biochemical assays and enzyme inhibition at the in, the, in a kind of promiscuous mode 
where it was causing problems, which, uh, which was a, an area that was of great interest at the time to pharmaceutical industry. And uh, I started getting exposed at that point through my project to a lot of pharmaceutical drug discovery, uh, which is at that, at that point, I, I became very convinced that that was what I wanted to do in my career. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense. And we were saying earlier um, that you were in a program at UCSF. Uh, what was the Department of Pharmaceutical Chemistry? Yeah. So so the funny story was that I, I, I joined Northwestern, but my first year, Brian elected to move the lab to UCSF. Right. And, uh, and that came as a total shock. But uh, a welcome shock, though it was a welcome shock. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was cold because it was October and it was my first Chicago winter. But uh, <laughs> I, 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 I elected to go with him, <clears throat> and uh, and rapidly fell in love with San Francisco and the Bay Area once I got out here. So <clears throat> at UCSF, where we ended up, uh, I joined the uh, I joined the Chemistry and Chemical Biology program. And uh, Brian's lab was in the, um, among other departments, he was in the Department of Pharmaceutical Chemistry. And so that, that chemistry, is, as we were talking about a little bit, was particularly strong and well-connected with the Bay Area uh, drug discovery and uh, biotech kind of industries. Right. Yeah. And I was saying that um, where I'm coming from in Canada, uh, they kind of pushed out the pharma companies back, I think, in the late 90s early 2000s yeah Merck Frost. Um, sorry Merck Frost which is Merck Frost the, Merck had a site called Frost which because it was in Canada I don't know no I think it had two s's I don't know it was it was it was a proper noun I think and oh. uh, uh, I don't know it just sounded like the coolest name for a company <laughs> location ever I don't know but yeah yeah I don't it felt it felt like all of those sites kind of closed up yeah I it was kind of before I was old enough to be aware that that was happening. Um, I believe the prime minister, so that'd be equivalent to governor at, or not the prime minister, premier be equivalent to governor at the time was Brian Mulroney. And I believe it was something to do with uh, tax incentives. So they were heavily taxing pharma companies or something mm -hmm. to that effect. Um, at which point it became untenable to manufacture there or even hold headquarters. So yeah, I think most of them have an office there which is essentially used as like a consulting hub. Um, and when they roll out the product in Canada, they'll have a couple of people that manage its release or distribution. Um, but really, there's no access there. There's not pharma companies looking at the grad programs. There's not grad programs looking to interface with pharma. Yeah. So we really don't have that connection. And it's more like we're just dreaming about it. Like maybe one day we'll do something and, and someone will find it important or yeah. interesting. It's just... It's so it's, it's amazing to have the local resources in a place like San Francisco or San Diego or Cambridge, where right. there's just so many companies and alumni of programs just still hanging yeah. around. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Uh, the The concentration is just unparalleled. Um, yeah. Okay, so you came over to UCSF or to, to SF, and you said. It was kind of a place you really enjoyed and fell in love with. Yeah. Are, are there particular aspects of Bay Area lifestyle that really connect with you? You know, I think at the time, it was uh, it was 2003 when I got out here. And 
the Bay Area was just recovering from the first tech recession at that point. Uh, the you know the boom yeah, and bust bubble. Yeah, yeah I, I, there's probably been more than that. You know, for people that have lived out here for a long time, <laughs> but but that was that was it was definitely pretty recessiony when we arrived. And San Francisco, it it definitely had a very welcoming anything goes like whatever you you know whatever your thing is like that's cool yeah. man you know <laughs> there were a lot yeah. of there were as opposed to now it's been a, a big change because at that point there were a lot of artists around and like mm-hmm. to be a graduate student in san francisco at that point you, you know you're you're equivalent to a starving artist right yeah yeah <laughs> So we were all just kind of you know, making do with our, our our modest cash reserves, and yeah, you, know, you you go to the bars where they would have like two dollar pints, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> you meet all kinds of people on a Tuesday or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit different now, um, but you know that was, that was the vibe that San Francisco had. It was it was just very very like open-minded and and that was kind of what i i think i needed as a as a person at that point was was just to be in a kind of environment like that yeah that sounds like a great place to sort of yeah expand your mind look forward and and see what the possibilities are that's really cool yeah um like so you're saying it's different like have you noticed a difference in like the san francisco culture recently yeah, the the artist the artist community I think has been it. pushed out. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it's a uh, it, and it, it doesn't quite have the same the, the the same chill vibe that it used to. I don't know how to quantify that. <laughs> there's no there's no data I have to support right. that claim. But right, but yeah, it's not really a a thing to be quantified. It's a qualitative feel, right? And but people notice that. I think that's yeah a consensus yeah. in the area. I think a lot of people have blamed that on tech coming in um some people have blamed it on the nimbys not allowing housing to be built combination in addition to california moving in the direction that it's going yeah um it's yeah it's it's tough to live out here it's really expensive still there's a huge discount for the pandemic so when i moved in i got to move in downtown which was kind of nice yeah um i'm not sure how long that'll last but just just even coming to my building here, everyone's sort of my age, like like millennial. Um, I think pretty much most people here are programmers. Um, but they're all saying like this is this is a great city. This is probably the best part of town if you're our age or whatever, and it's great. Everyone's friendly. Uh, always place to hang out, people to talk to. Uh, but I haven't seen any of it because I literally I moved during a pandemic. Yeah. So. It's been all masks all day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I'm interested to see, even if it's the diluted San Francisco culture, to see what that's about. Yeah. And with rents coming down, you know, I think the hope is that it'll, it'll, it'll chill back out a little bit again and um, maybe relax back towards the, the, the vibe it had at other times. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I think the cool thing about the Bay Area now, I mean, tech tech gets a lot of play and that's deserved. But um, the other thing that I think that's changed is that is that the biotech companies have become 
sufficiently concentrated at this point that uh, that it itself is like a, another. It has momentum now, whereas mm. you know back back in the early the late '90s, early 2000s, it was still a relatively small number of companies that were really out there doing stuff. Like Genentech was still you know on its initial kind of like ascent into right. the stratosphere. Yeah, uh, and and it hadn't quite gotten to be the the massive behemoth it is now. So it was early days back then too. So, but now it, it's cool because you meet a lot more scientists than than I remember meeting back in the day. Just out and about, like in the neighborhood, walking the dog around my yeah. neighborhood. There's a pretty good chance you're bumping to another scientist. <laughs> are you are you close to south South San Francisco then over there? So I'm in the southeast corner of San Francisco. Okay. So, kind of over towards the the new Warrior Stadium. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so, like with uh, with our neighborhood, it's it's so close to the highway that anybody that works in South South City or Point yeah. Beyond, like it's a this is a great like jumping off point for getting down there. Caltrain is down here, so uh, it it does I think pull a lot of people that have Peninsula South San Francisco commutes which tends to select for people in our line of work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, it, it's crazy. Like, uh, what's the number? Like 20 or 30,000 scientists working at the Biotux in South San Francisco? There? Oh, God. I, I, I hadn't even tried to imagine what the number is like. That's, that's so, someone told it to me when I, when I came here. It must have been uh, maybe someone at HR at Calico or something like that, but maybe even cab driver... <laughs> I, I don't know someone was saying it and it's growing it's yeah. at least 20,000 it might be 20,000 just at Genentech yeah like thir- 30,000 right. <laughs> in the city looking to grow I think another 20,000 in the next five or ten years or something like that yeah. so yeah yeah it does seem like it's growing it's a lot more vibrant now it's 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 just you know biology and science is 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 permeating through the culture um maybe picking up a little bit of the slack that the arts kind of <laughs> left behind. So, Yeah. Well, I'm glad it's growing here and it can benefit from the tech industry. Like they, yeah, they work in, in great harmony. Um, and you know, there's plenty of companies leveraging it just like Calico is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, so once you're wrapping up your PhD, you said, you pretty much figured you'd want to go do a postdoc because the job market was a little quiet um, and you wanted to do a postdoc so you could gain another skill. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I was I was looking for, I did my postdoc search looking for labs that had a really strong interest in cell, cell, cell-based assays, cell-based kind of right. screens. Um, and so I, I looked, I ended up looking at a lot of, labs kind of in the Stuart Schreiber ecosystem. Um, there was a there was a lot of chemical biology and interest in um, interest in cellular screening from people in his orbit. So I, I, okay. at, at that point I, I actually considered moving out to the Boston area to go look at some some labs out there and I interviewed some mm-hmm. places but um, ultimately I was just kind of like you know kind of like it in the bay. Right. Why? Why pick up and go somewhere completely new? I felt like if I hung out here, 
I'd be able to continue to work on the relationships and the, the doing the, you know, interacting with the kinds of people that I'd started interacting with in graduate school. And that would be useful for when yeah. I wanted to look for jobs eventually. Um, so I, I ended up going to a lab at Stanford and uh, I joined I joined the lab of uh, the James Chen, the lab of James Chen in the chemical and systems biology department. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I had a it was that that was another department that had a lot of people that were just really interested in um, drug discovery or inhibitor discovery. Um, and uh, I, I was working on, I did, uh, my project was a siRNA screen looking for novel modulators of the hedgehog signaling pathway. Okay. So, cool. uh, so that was, that was my, that was my strategy for getting the like cell assay kind of experience. Yeah. Well, sounds like a sound strategy and one that seems to have worked out, right? Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that I was particularly successful as a postdoc. But, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but I, I did, I did get the, the educational component that, that I was after. Mm -hmm. You say not as successful. Do you mean like sort of in comparison to how you performed during your PhD? Yeah. How the impact that was? Yeah. You know, it my, wasn't a commensurate jump. My PhD project was, was, was particularly fruitful. I think I ended up. I published several several kind of short papers from that work, and uh -huh. it was it was like the projects just kind of came together. It was really yeah. really nice. Uh, yeah. Then you know when I got to Stanford, it was it was uh, it was more of a a slog. You know we were doing a screen, and so whenever your project is a screen, you don't know exactly what you're going to get out the other end, and yeah, uh, and then there weren't there weren't kind of intermediate successes that could either become their own short little papers mm -hmm. or signal that you were on your way to something better right. and uh and so it was just kind of one long campaign to get to some things that looked good and then try to figure out how they worked and uh it didn't it didn't end up feeling like a compelling like scientific story to me hmm yeah well i think that's more normal than your PhD experience. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you say it was a long time. Was this like, was it three years, four years? Or Started 2007 and I was looking for jobs 2011. I started my job in 2011. So it was about four years. Four yeah. And a half. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think, yeah. pretty normal for a biology postdoc. Yeah, it's pretty normal. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, I know a lot of people that have done, yeah, their first postdocs, three, four years, another one that's two, three years on top of that, or two that are maybe more equal in length. But yeah, pretty much all the people I've heard of that have gotten a faculty position are at least five years postdocing. Yeah. And two postdocs. Yeah. It's a lot. I, I, when I was thinking about that, it was a lot to be staring at. And I already felt like I had sort of mortgaged my good years <laughs> to get the PhD in and of itself. And I'm looking around at a bunch of people that are like, 
yeah, man, you only got like another five, six <laughs> to go yeah. before you can start a, a normal job, you know, like not be treated like an unofficial adult, not a real adult. Yeah. It's even postdocs. They're not, they're not paid like you, like, like you should be as a doctor, right? It's yep. kind of cheap, cheap labor at that point. So, um, I was lucky that I could just go straight to industry. Um, I think like James who hired me, James Lee, um, was saying that he was hoping to get someone with a PhD, but that everyone that was applying had a master's or an undergrad um, because it wasn't a postdoctoral position. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't getting people with a doctorate. And that was, and he interviewed a couple and they said they were uneasy because they weren't sure if they could make it back to academia after. Yeah. Um, and that is just really strange to me because I always felt like if I was going to go to industry, I could probably leverage that as a bonus to get back into academia because how many people have come to academia from industry? But also, like, I didn't really hear any good stories of kids going to act like to get a job in academia. It's just unheard of around me. The first example I heard of got hired a year ago, and she she was uh, um, a postdoc when I was starting my PhD. Okay. So she, I think she did like six years of postdoc, something like that, and like really really high caliber. Um, so, you know, I just, I was hearing from a bunch of people, oh, just continue to do a postdoc and eventually you'll find something. And these sorts of tones I hate, um, cause a bunch of like uncertainty, but not just that it's, it's not planning, I guess, not having a game plan. Yeah. And I, I'm just not that kind of a person. I tend to think of you know, shoot for a grandiose goal. You might not get it, but you're at least moving in a, in a good direction. Um, you know, so that didn't really spook me in coming here at all. And mostly what I was actually looking for, I applied to some postdocs too. I only heard back from one and the other one was at Novartis in San Diego. Uh-huh. Um, the academic ones just didn't respond. That's interesting. They, they didn't, they didn't even say like, sorry, you know, we were, not going to consider you or we considered you and you're not good enough just nothing crickets and it's really strange there's some big labs um maybe that's why but it seems a little weird that you know that, that was the stage where i have a phd going to a postdoc i had a pretty good phd from what it seemed like um you know i i, I would expect to at least hear back from a couple so that was a little strange did your advisor um, um, also contact those people? No. So this was completely independent from my supervisor because what I was trying to go into, she had no experience. Ah. Um, and that was understood. And that was part of why I stayed at where I was at Western. It was that it's a smaller school, but uh, I knew the project I was going to work on. And I had been in the lab as an undergrad, so I kind of saw the trajectory and knew it would be a good project. Uh, but mostly it was an opportunity for me to get access to big data sets, which is what I wanted. Um, and I felt like um, I could step right into it as opposed to having to start um, something new in a fast-paced environment where perhaps I'd, I'd lose out on some learning. 
um, some practical knowledge. So instead, I kind of did it all myself and learned a lot, but it was challenging. And I couldn't quite get that quality that I was hoping for because it was mostly me doing it. <laughs> um, and so the main thing I was looking for was some machine learning engineers because we just don't have them. If we do, they're in Toronto. Yeah. Um, and, and even those don't really you know, work in biology. They're kind of, you know, yep. there's a lot of AI going on over there yep. uh, as well. Um, and so I was looking for just either universities or labs that had done some machine learning on big data. And there's some, um, but then didn't really have postdocs looking for the skill set that I had. They mostly want people that are programmers or something like that. Um, and I didn't have quite a good enough skill set in that area. Um, but Calico, I knew the company was structured in a particular way. Yeah. Um, and that was that there's a lot of computer scientists, machine learning engineers, especially, uh, that work in concert with the biologists. They're generating the big data. Um, and so everyone can work together on it. But the infrastructure is there. And there's the experts there that could do it better than I can. So, I mean, for um, that for that for that kind of interest, I think you ended up at a pretty good spot. <laughs> right, um, and it, honestly, Brian, it was mostly me dreaming up a position, and then I went to see if it was out there. And Calico kind of showed up. Um, there was a position that I actually qualified for. I was surprised about that. I applied for it like the next day. This was all like after the winter break. So it was like, you know, it's a new year. I'm going to try and get a job. That's what I'm going to try and do. Put an application. I got an email back that day to do a phone <laughs> phone screen. And I think a week later, I was on the phone with James. A week after that, I did a, a talk. And then two weeks after that, they flew me down to do an in-person interview. Ah, right and place, right time, job. right person. Maybe two <laughs> weeks right after. Um, so it was all very quick in succession. Um, and I only heard back from the other position, Novartis, but when I was waiting to hear of an offer from Calico. So just how quickly, it was James specifically, but how quickly Calico moved was a big positive as well. All the signs were pointing towards a company that was like thinking in the way I thought, moving in the direction I thought, thinking big, high impact for the future. And on a the biggest problem I can think of in biology, which yeah. is how do we keep living? <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. Another fortuitous story. That's, 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 that's awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, but this is about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so once you wrapped up your postdoc, um, were you going straight for industry where you're seeing what was available. Yeah. Casting a wide net. Or? Yeah. You know, I, I so it, it's interesting because while I was a postdoc uh, and, and working on my, on my, you know, my signal transduction project, uh, I, I, I didn't have quite as many touch points into industry uh, as I did while I was in graduate school. And so, hmm. Okay. Um, and so, uh, I, I, tr what I did instead, I, I have to put in a plug for, uh, a, a program down at Stanford that was run out of the, 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 the chemical and systems biology department, but it, it was called spark. 
and Spark. it was a it is a, a program that is designed to facilitate discoveries that happen at Stanford and translate them into small companies. Oh, okay. And, wow. Uh, and, you know, I think I had continued to nurture my interest in working in industry and biotech uh, while I was at Stanford by, by you know, building a relationship with people in those programs. And that was uh, a really critical part of my postdoc education process. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing seeing a lot of the the kind of topics that I was interested in about how to discover drugs, how to turn them, you know, from early hits into commercial products. Uh, mm-hmm. That that was a that was something that really kept the kind of fire going for my desire to end up in industry. So yeah, when I was starting to wrap up, I was I was really keen to just hop out into the job market and start seeing what was out there in terms of startup jobs and uh, jobs at bigger industry companies like Genentech and other things in the area. Yeah. And so where'd you end up going? So I was on the market for about six months. I was looking... Um, and I had, a, I had a bunch of interviews that didn't really go anywhere. And uh, I, I interviewed for a job at Novartis in the oncology group, which at that point mm-hmm. was in Emeryville. Okay. And uh, it, you know, it, was, it was the former site of a startup, a pretty well-known startup called Chiron. And uh, Novartis had acquired them in the early 2000s and built a research mm-hmm. site up in Emeryville. And yeah. it's it was a it was a group mostly focused on oncology at that point. And I went out there and I interviewed for a job in the genetics group, even though I'm not a geneticist. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, I didn't get the job, but uh, I heard that through the grapevine of you know people that hadn't offered me jobs that there was a, a new group moving to the site, and that was an infectious disease group. Okay. And so that group was moving from Cambridge out to Emeryville, and they were going to be hiring people to do um, everything. You know, there was all of the jobs being open. But I, was, <laughs> I was particularly focused on uh, on small molecule screening and assay development kind of roles. And uh, the job I ended up finding there was in the antibiotics discovery group. Ah, okay. So I unexpectedly made a shift from eukaryotic biology to prokaryotic biology. Yeah. Um, but but I ended up in uh, in in the kind of job that I was I was kind of hoping for, um, even going back to my early graduate school kind of pipe dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's great. So how long did you stay there? And you know, like what were the, what was the main takeaway? Was it what you were expecting? You eventually moved on, so yeah. Um, so I was at. Uh, we were all there together <clears throat> for about seven seven years, because we started. I was one of the first new hires that didn't move from Cambridge, and that was 2011. Mm-hmm. And uh, the 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 layoff announcement came in July 2018. And then I think I my last day was September 2018. 
and okay. it was uh, it was a, a really good run. It was a, it was a <laughs> good job. That was a, a solid place to work, especially coming out of training. Yeah. Uh, it was a, a, a department that was a really nice mix of uh, young, like, inspired go-getter types that were coming mm-hmm. out of training. Uh, and, and like, vets that had been around the block several times. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that's key to, hang, to wrangle those wily young kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and... You know, the, it was it was just a, a, a really good group of, of scientists, and um, I, I had a lot of opportunities to to develop skills, teamwork skills, like soft skills, how to how to play nicely with other kids, and yeah. <laughs> uh, not run with scissors <laughs> in the lab. I guess I don't know. Um, so, you know, I, it was it was just a really very warm, nurturing environment for a, a young scientist to develop. That's good. And so in the end, uh, why did you move on? Was it the team just was dismantling or you were looking for something? Yeah, the whole department got shut growth? down. Oh, okay. Um, they, they laid off the, the bacteriology and virology groups in, in 2018 for a corporate restructuring uh, and and everybody kind of disseminated into the Bay Area drug yeah. discovery ecosystem very efficiently. It was <laughs> it was you know and we had it, there were there were definitely positive aspects to getting laid off, which I was not expecting. So how so? Well, you know, I was so when I was young, my dad he was he was working at Monsanto, and every year around Christmas he would get stressed out because the corporate restructurings would come around, and so I always had like this very visceral fear of being laid off. Um, you know, everybody everybody there did because you're a, a small satellite site of a giant pharmaceutical corporation. Yeah. Like these things happen <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So. Um, so you know the 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 announcement they did it in a very like I don't know how much of this was out of the goodness of their hearts or what but they they told us in July and and we had you know multiple months to basically wrap up what we were doing and um and look for jobs so I was paid full time to write up papers and oh. look for jobs and network um, wow! And then I, you know, I finished when I when I finished, I I had another month or so uh, where I was just finishing up my job hunt. By then, I had kind of several options that looked viable, and I was exploring them. And I just, you know, I was I was fun employed for a little while. It was it was okay. There was a severance package. It was it was not the end of the world. It was not as terrifying as I was thinking it was going to be. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, I think I'd I never heard a story of someone getting laid off at a at a big company like that, I guess, and staying afloat. Um but uh, like I think this is a good area for that sort of dynamic because um like I was at a, a venture capital meeting in Toronto at one point. Um and there was a guy telling me that 
there's almost no venture capitalists in Canada. And that's because there's no venture capitalists in Canada. So they don't have partners to work with. There's no ecosystem yeah. that if you know someone doesn't have the expertise, they can be like, actually my buddy at this company can help you better and we'll we'll you know co-opt on the deal or something. And he was uh, saying this in contrast to Boston where you get fired or your startup could fail and you get a job the next week and not even have to change parking spots was how he said it. Yeah. There's just such concentration of talent all working on similar things that the overlap is all there. So you lose one opportunity. There's already a, a bunch there. Yeah. You don't even have to move. So it creates a, an environment where people are allowed to risk take and they, they're allowed to fail. Um, whereas, you know, places where there isn't that concentration can't. Yeah. So in Canada, it's not a thing. But that's also why Silicon Valley works so well with tech. And I'm glad to see it's expanding in biotech as well. Yeah. I did. I think someone told me that it has the largest concentration now of biotechs, which I thought was interesting. That it's now past Cambridge. Yeah, I find that or interesting. Or I guess Boston. Maybe it's a concentration thing. I don't know. Yeah. It's all Oyster Point. You know, I think like the Boston, New Jersey area definitely has the concentration of pharmaceutical research. Mm. Like, so when these corporate restructurings happen there, you know, I, I definitely heard from friends out there that, yeah, you just kind of roll across the street and yeah. you see who, who will let you come back <laughs> in. Um, but but the, it's, it's true. Like now San Francisco and the Bay Area is like that. I mean, between between the job that I worked at after Novartis and coming to Calico, I have moved, I think, maybe a half a mile. <laughs> My commute is... Exactly the same. That's, <laughs> that's great. Um, so are you allowed to say where you went after Novartis? Yeah. How so, you got to Calico? So, I, you know, when I finished uh, after after Novartis, I, I was feeling kind of open-minded and curious um, mm -hmm. because I'd spent seven years doing small molecule screening and drug discovery and... Uh, through my time at Novartis, I'd gotten introduced into some of the more modern, you know, recent innovations and in computational approaches to studying data. And so uh, I was particularly interested by an opportunity uh, at uh, a, an alphabet associated company called X, which is uh, used to be known as Google X. And mm -hmm. it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a an incubator that alphabet maintains to kind of execute on very ambitious long-term research projects. Uh, right. And and some of those have been rolled out to other alphabet companies. Now, yes. Right? Yes. The the aspiration of all the projects at X is to become their own uh, letter of the alphabet, so to speak, <laughs> and become a self- I thought that's a really cool idea. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in the news, I just read in the news this week that one of them that I was particularly fond of, Loon, which was the internet yeah. delivery by stratospheric weather balloon company has, yeah. is rolling. They're, they're shutting, shutting down, which is kind of a bummer, but damn. Um, yeah, you know, that's how it goes. Um, but X was, X was really cool. Is a, is a really wild and zany place to work. Um, and it was my first exposure to alphabet and Google and, yeah. uh, Things that you know, there there were definitely things to enjoy about the kind of cultural heritage that Alphabet-associated companies have. Yeah, 
like first day of work what did you notice was different from Novartis or what was the biggest difference oh <laughs> um okay yeah so at Novartis your first day you know you rolled in you met with uh you met with uh maybe an HR person you did a bunch of trainings yeah. Uh, and you know, you kind of go to your 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 office, or your desk, and you get a computer, uh, and uh, you kind of poke around at it for the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> meet some people. Yeah. You talk to HR three, four times about trying to get yeah. things set up and make sure you're in the system. Maybe do some more <laughs> trainings. Um, that all happened within about the first hour of being at Google. So like. X does its orientation in 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 line with Google. So I went down to mm. Mountain View to the main Googleplex for orientation, and there was like 200 people there. Oh, okay. And you walk into the room, you go to your, you know, there's like a, a, like a station to take your picture. There's not even like some person with a camera. It's just you stand in front of a thing, all and automated, take a picture, and then you get your badge later. I don't even know how the automation on that works, but uh, you walk into this giant room full of 200 people. They're all, you know, for the most part, they were they were working at Google or you know more kind of main trunk mm-hmm. Google companies, and uh, you sit down at a chair. Somebody tells you to sit down at a chair, and you sit down. And your computer is there, and it's got everything installed on it, and you know all your information is like largely pre-populated into the databases. Uh, yeah. And then they're like, "Okay, um, we're just gonna <laughs> all together set up your benefits right now." And then everybody just goes through it in 20 minutes. Everything is set up, and then yeah. uh, and then they give you a little hat with a beanie on it. <laughs> now you're a Googler or Noogler. Yeah, a Noogler. And, uh, <laughs> and it, it was just like the efficiency was orders of magnitude different <laughs> than, <laughs> than at Novartis. It was pretty wild. Yeah, that was fun. So did uh, that efficiency carry through with other aspects of Google X? Yeah, um, video conferencing was pretty top notch, you know. Uh, <laughs> Trying to trying to coordinate like research across multiple sites at Novartis was always an adventure. This was the age of uh, you know pre Zoom age, and so it was always oh, one yeah. you know one video conferencing platform trying to talk to another video conferencing platform, and maybe thirty percent of the people in the room really were comfortable <laughs> setting it up from scratch. Um, yeah, and. Uh, uh, there were always, you know, twenty-minute delays where you couldn't get the slides to show up, so on and so forth. But like at X, uh, all of the VC stuff was already in- integrated, like it is now, you know. Mm-hmm. But but just walking into a conference room and you sit down, and then all of a sudden the other person's face is in front of you, and you're just you're already you're going. Yeah. So um, the 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 technology was clearly deployed in a much <laughs> more sophisticated aggressive fashion at Google than at Novartis, as you would hope. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like they're a tech company. Yeah, it's like they're a tech company. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, okay, so you weren't there too long then, right? We were in beginning of 2021, so. Yeah. Um, oh, does that light dying on you? Yeah, yeah we... it's, it's, uh, it's trying to, but it comes back on. 
Yeah, there's a charger there. Yeah, I got it um, plugged in. Okay. I think. Anyway. Yeah, so so the way that projects work at X is that they're they're essentially startups. And so our the, the project that I joined was maybe twenty people, fifteen, I think, when I joined it. And it was it was its its own thing at that point. And um the project was, you know, as 20-person startups are, the project developed very quickly in unpredictable ways and pivoted mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. very dynamic. And uh, at some point, it, it had drifted a little bit further from drug discovery and the kinds of issues, like the kinds kinds of scientific topics that I was really interested in. And mm-hmm. I, was, I was just starting to feel like time might be right for me to go back towards uh, drug discovery again. And so naturally, I, I, I looked within the Alphabet ecosystem and Calico was, was uh, I already knew from, from some interactions that Calico was filled with some pretty like-minded individuals in terms of, you know, bringing together technology and biology. And so that was, that was uh, it felt like a pretty, a pretty natural transition. Nice. So... Uh, you're just making this transition now. When it, when did you get hired officially? Uh, my first or day what? was in October, October nineteenth. October, yeah. So you're even newer than I am. Yep. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, I mean, it'll be nice when you can meet your coworkers in person, right? Yeah, indeed. Have you been able to um? sort of get the ball rolling on anything that you were hoping for? Yeah. Some yeah. in silico stuff maybe? Uh, the 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 people that preceded me kind of did all the proof of concept work on the the technology that I'm going to be using a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they did such a good job that everybody at the company was pretty much <laughs> beating down my virtual door to talk to me about new projects that they had dreamed up. It was <laughs> I think the nicest way to onboard at a new company possible is just to have a bunch of people excited to work with you. So <laughs> it was yeah, it's been pretty fun. That's good, Ryan. I I hope it uh, it galvanizes into some some solid projects over the next couple of years here. Yeah, it's looking like it. I'm I'm excited. Good. Um, well, I think I think now is a good natural stopping point. We went over what I promised you with a little technical difficulties. Um, but it really was a pleasure to talk with you, Brian. And thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Absolutely. It was um, fun. I hope we can meet in person. I can say this again. Uh, maybe grab you a beer at some point. Yeah. Um, but for now, it was great meeting you over this and learning a little bit more about you. Um And I think I'll let you go. Okay. That sounds good. Thank you, Brian. This has been Bridge to the Bay with Dr. Varis with more to come.